The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please go to www.folfcrc.com. I would love to motivate you, if you haven't yet, to find your place and get involved and serve. Serve. Serve with all your might. And if you have been serving, I want you to keep serving. Keep going. Uh, But more than that, actually, I want to encourage us to have the right attitude towards one another when it comes to serving. That's probably even harder. The right attitude when it comes to serving. But think about it. Service at church. Just serving. What's more important than that on a day-to-day basis? I mean, whatever's happening here, it's it's happening because people are serving. This This is daily life. If we can't get this right or do this right, do this with the right heart, whatever we might say that's grand and glorious, if we can't serve each other correctly with the right heart, it won't work. Can't do anything. This is, this is really important. So I want to ask you, only you will know, how do you feel when it comes to serving at church? How do you feel? I'll go through sometimes, uh, and I'm not condemning anyone because I think I've probably had all of these feelings at one time or another. Number one, sometimes we feel, feel apathetic. It's just not a priority. I got other things going on. I like to visit here and there, but I don't really, I'm not really into serving. Anybody else ever felt that way? Maybe that's you today. Sometimes we can feel insecure. You might think, I don't, I don't know if I have a place here. I don't know if I'm good enough or whatever enough to really fit in. You, you might wonder that. You might feel insecure. Another attitude, which is the worst of all, is pride. So pride could come out and saying, you know, I'm, I'm too good for this. Or pride could be, of course I'm going to serve, because if I don't, the church will fall over. <laughs> they need me, okay? Um, what's your attitude? And then it, it, all those things play out in different ways. You ever served and you didn't think you got thanked or recognized enough, and now you're bitter? Or you served and you looked at somebody else who wasn't serving quite as much or quite as well, and you thought, yeah. Or you look at somebody else who was serving, you thought, oh, if only I could do what they're doing. The kind of comparison thing, what is that? Pride, insecure, all that stuff. What is your attitude when it comes to serving a church? What should your attitude be when it comes to serving a church? Well, I'm so thankful that Paul scheduled it this way because just in time for Volunteer Sunday is 1 Corinthians 12. <laughs> Yay! Um, we've been going through Paul's letter to the Corinthians. You'll remember if you've been here, this church is a mess, right? They believe in Jesus, they claim Jesus, but they're still deeply infected by the values of their culture, specifically like pride of place. Your knowledge or your skills or your wealth makes you awesome and other people less so. But Paul won't give up on him, and he continues to hammer down on applying the gospel. Hey, let's remember what we claim to, to believe, you believe in Jesus, let's remember who he is and what he's done. Let's melt it down into our, <clears throat> into our hearts, be changed by it, live it out. So that's what he's doing with them. Again, now as you heard this text read, um, it's obviously about spiritual gifts, right? And if you've been in the Christian neighborhood for very long, you've heard of this before, right? It's actually really controversial. In one corner, the charismatics. Um, in the other corner, the non-charismatics, have you heard of this? Are you familiar with this? The charismatic thinks the non-charismatics don't like the Holy Spirit, 
and they're just all about facts they've memorized, and the non-charismatics thinks the charismatics are experience-oriented and left the Bible behind a long time ago, and what are we to do with all this? And then we hear things like speaking in tongues and miracles, and we're all like, how many of you are like, what do I do with this? You know, I'm glad to tell you that today I'm, I'm not even going to get to that. So if you were excited to hear about my view on speaking in tongues, you're going to have to wait. I'm not even touching it today. What about gifts of miracles? I'm not touching that either. What about prophecies? What is that? I'm flying right by it. We'll get to that in chapter 14, okay? I'll do my best in chapter 14. Today I want to do what I think the apostle's really doing. You'll notice he's not describing what the gifts do in this chapter. Sure, he mentions them, but he's not going into what they do. He is going into our hearts towards one another as we consider them. He's going into your view of, of your attitude when it comes to serving a church. That's what he's going after. So that's what we want to go after today. What should our attitude be? So I'm going to break it up into three main points. I'm going to be a good, my, my preaching professor would be happy. I'm going to start each one of them with the letter B. Isn't that great? I don't do it every Sunday, but today, three points, and they all start with the same letter. I feel like I'm really, really making it as a preacher now. Are you proud of me? <laughs> Thanks. The bottom line, the beauty and the body. The bottom line, the beauty, and the body. We got to remember the Corinthians had serious problems with pride and division. And those, things, those two things go together well, don't they? Pride and division. So like I said, they bought into the pride motif of their culture, and this brings division. Rich, poor. Power, personality struggles, knowledge struggles, those who don't have as much. Um, Maybe ethnicity struggles. And then this struggle in this chapter, division based on who's more spiritual. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> the things we can fight about. Who's more spiritual? And commentators agree the Corinthians seem to think that if you had specific gifts, especially if you spoke in tongues, and you're like, what is that, Pastor Matt? I'm not talking about that right now. Especially if you spoke in tongues, they thought you were somehow more spiritual than other Christians who didn't have the same gift. So you can imagine, I'm, I'm a better Christian because I can, eh. and you're a worse Christian because you can't. Eh. And it brought division. And so Paul's trying to hammer at their hearts, at their hearts. And you see what he does in verses one to three. He's like, hey, can we, can we back up and go back to the basics here? So look at what he says, chapter 12, one to three. Concerning spiritual gifts, brother, I don't want you to be informed, so what are we talking about? Spiritual gifts, and I want you to remember something. And then he says this, verse two, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. What's he trying to do, do you think? Just follow along. What does, he, what does he remind them of? Hey, you super spiritual, awesome people with all your gifts. What does he remind them of? Hey, remember 30 minutes ago when you were worshiping the idol? Remember when you used to worship idols? Remember when you were led astray? Remember when you used to believe a bunch of lies and you did a bunch of gnarly stuff? Do you remember that? Why do you think he wants them to remember that? 
Someone changed you and brought you to Jesus. Something happened to you to change your heart to where you said Jesus is Lord from the heart and you meant it. What happened to you? Hey, remember, your, remember what happened to you. Isn't that what he's saying to them? And we got to remember that too, don't we? Uh, maybe you didn't used to go to the Corinthian temple and bow before a gold statue. But idolatry goes way deeper than that. Right? If you've ever had anything in your life in God's place, the place where God alone should be, that was an idol. So if you look to anything ultimately for, say, your identity, who you are, other than Jesus Christ, that was an idol. Or if you look to anything other than the God of the Bible for your authority, like this is right and wrong. This is what life's about. If you look to anything other than him, that was an idol. Or if you look to anything for, for, uh, for pleasure and for satisfaction and for hope and meaning other than the God of the Bible revealed in Jesus Christ, that was an idol. And the, the Bible says it's true, and I think experientially it's, the, it's true. We've each subbed God out for an idol. We've each said to the real God, I don't want you to be God. I don't want you to be in charge of me. I don't trust you. I don't believe you. I don't want you over my life. I'm going to put something else there. A lot of times it's ourselves, especially in this culture. I'll take your place, God. It's, it's idolatry, and we're responsible for it. And boy, that's just the heart of sin, isn't it? God, get out of my way. I'm going to do what I want. Do you remember when you were there? You remember that? Maybe you're wondering if you're in it right now. If you're a Christian, what happened to you to get you out of that? What happened? Well, we know the Holy Spirit came to us, right? Something happened where all of a sudden your, your perspective got turned. Your heart got soft. You said, I'm out of this. I don't want this anymore. I'm a sinner. I need Jesus, right? What happened? Your heart said, I need Jesus. And what your heart started to beat this theme, Jesus is Lord. He came for me. He, he's the son of God who took on flesh in my place. He did what I couldn't do perfectly. He went to a cross for me in my place. He took all my sin. He paid the price for all my idolatry. He rose from the dead. He's king. He's God. He reigns forever. And he's going to come back for me, right? And what's your heart say if you're a Christian? Jesus is Lord. He's my king. Isn't that the, the heartbeat of a Christian? He's Lord. Paul says here, no one can say Jesus is Lord. And of course, he says, he means no one can mean it, right? Anybody can say the words. Nobody can mean from their heart, Jesus is Lord, except by who? The Holy Spirit. Period. So, if you love Jesus and you trust him, there's a fundamental reason why. The Holy Spirit led you to that. The Holy Spirit led you to that. In the same way, no one can say Jesus is a curse. That's what we used to say in our idolatry. I don't need Jesus, heck with him, whatever. You don't have the Holy Spirit if you say that. It's not Christian to say that. That's the opposite of being a Christian. But to say, Jesus is Lord, I love him. The Holy Spirit changed your heart, right? Which means if you love Jesus, guess who you have in you fundamentally with you? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. What about the super varsity awesome Christian? Does he have a better Holy Spirit or a different Holy Spirit or an awesomer Holy Spirit? 
Or is it the same Holy Spirit? Same, do, do you see what Paul just did? He leveled the playing field. They're arguing about who's more spiritual. And Paul is saying, if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. Totally. Fully. There he is. You have him. The real thing. What does this do with our attitude when it comes to serving one another? Stuff builds in our hearts or in our minds. They're better. They're worse. And he just gave us the gospel, which puts us all the same when it comes to knowing Jesus. And it humbles us. Humbles us. It humbles us towards God. Have you ever caught yourself saying, I don't deserve this? You ever caught yourself saying that? I don't deserve this. Sometimes you're right, you know, it's a bad day, somebody treated you bad. I don't deserve this. When we say it, we usually mean a raw deal, right? Have you ever said that to God? God, I don't deserve this. You ever doubted your doubts on that one? A lot of times we doubt God, right, when life gets hard because we're saying, God, you're not giving me what I deserve. You ever doubted your doubts? What do you deserve from God? Oh, gosh, I don't want what I deserve. What do you deserve from God? I've been an an idol worshiper. I, I deserve judgment. You know, there's another way to say, I don't deserve this. Have you ever looked around and just thought, oh my gosh, God, you've been so kind to me. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to be loved by you. I don't deserve to be known by you, accepted by you. I don't deserve the, the kindness you're showing me all the time. I don't deserve this. That's the way we should feel when we come to Jesus Christ and when we meet together. This, this aspect of just like humble thanksgiving, humble awe, I don't deserve this, to be able to know Jesus as my Lord and to be with others who do so. So, so this, the gospel, right, it humbles us. We, we can't boast in ourselves anymore. But in the same way it humbles us, doesn't it lift us up too? We're children of God. We're the body of Christ. And it does this for each one of us. So if you're feeling insecure when it comes to church, what does the gospel do? It lifts you up. Hey, you're, you're a daughter. You're a son. You're a part of the body. You have the Holy Spirit. You're fully in. If you're feeling prideful, what's the gospel do? Take it down a notch, right? You, you were a pagan, remember? Idol worshiper, you say by grace. It humbles us because each Christian has the Holy Spirit by grace. That's the bottom line Paul's working from. The bottom line. If you're a Christian, it's because the Holy Spirit has changed your heart, which means you have him. Be amazed. Be humbly amazed. The bottom line, you have the Spirit. Now let's see the beauty. Look at verses four to seven. There are varieties of gifts with the same spirit, varieties of service, the same Lord, varieties of activities. It's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. I want to look with you a little bit about how God gives these gifts. I guess we ought to define it. What do you think a spiritual gift is? How would you define spiritual gift? I'm going to say this. It's a gift. I know I just repeated myself, but we got to remember that. It's a what? 
a gift, which means it's free. So you have to do anything awesome to get it, or is it free? It's a gift. And spiritual means it's from the Holy Spirit. He gave it to you. It's a gift of God's grace in a Christian and through a Christian for the benefit of others. Did you see how we get it for the common good? End of verse seven. Why do we get a manifestation of the Spirit? For the common good. Okay? So this is, I mean, in a way we're all charismatics because charisma just means grace gift, gift of grace. Love you don't deserve, a gift. So this, is, this is amazing. It's beautiful. If you're a Christian, God has given you a gift, a unique way that you and you alone can show God's love to other Christians. Isn't that awesome? And it's a gift that he's given you. The love of God in you uniquely meant for others. Did you hear that? The love of God in you uniquely meant for others. As we look at lists of gifts, like, well, what are some of these things? We saw some extraordinary ones, right? Verses eight to 10, miracles, prophecy, tongues. I'm not gonna get into that, but you saw that list. We, we call, call those extraordinary gifts. But then also, look, there's more like day-to-day gifts. Look at, look at down at verse 28. God has appointed in the church apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, and then you get two really useful, helping and administrating. Helping. Do you help other people? Spiritual gift. Administrating. Can you organize something, put something together, make it work? What is that? Spiritual gift. It's God's love in you uniquely. For whom? The benefit of Others. There's other lists as well. Check out this list from Romans 12, verses 6 to 8. I'm just trying to show you how diverse spiritual gifts are. There's not one list that encompasses all of them. Romans 12, 6 to 8. Let's collect spiritual gifts. 12, 6, Paul says, We have gifts that differ according to the grace given us. Let's use them. If, if what? Prophecy in proportion to our faith. Here's another one, verse 7. If service, that's broad, in our serving, the one who teaches, and is teaching, the one who exhorts, so like encouraging people in the faith is a gift, the one who contributes, so if you're a generous giver, that's a gift, the one who leads, lead with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy, so if you're compassionate to the needy, that's a gift. So you see how broad this is. So many varieties of gifts. You know, there's as many varieties of gifts as there are varieties of people. Because it's not just like you get the generic cookie cutter service. Like, you serve out of who you are. You serve out of who you are. It's, it's the gift coming out of you personally by the Holy Spirit. So I wonder, what is your gift what is your gift? Maybe you've never thought about it this broad. Maybe you thought of some like massive magazine cover kind of superstar thing, and you're like, I don't have one of those. You're looking way too small. What you can do in the love of God for the benefit of the church. 
I want you to see this. Who gives them? Verse 11. I'm back in chapter 11, verse 11. Who gives these gifts? All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions, check this out, to each one individually as he wills. So who gets a spiritual gift? It's the people who have the Holy Spirit. And who are those people? Christians. He's given you something. And who chooses which gifts you have or not? He does. Mind-blowing statement, there are gifts you don't have. Can I get an amen? Some of you, wait, I don't have them all? No, you don't. I don't either. Does it make you less spiritual if you don't have a certain gift? No, that's his whole point. In fact, this is what's amazing to me, God made you incomplete on purpose. He made you incomplete on purpose. I can't do everything everyone needs all the time. You're not the Christ. You're incomplete on purpose. He gave you what he wanted you to have, and he didn't give you what he didn't want you to have. That's amazing. Why do you think he made you like that? Why do you think he made you lacking? You know why he made me lacking? Because there are gifts I lack. Not too many amens on that. (laughs) Because you're meant to use your gift for me. And I'm meant to use my gift for you. There are gifts you don't have because there are gifts other people's have that you need, and that's the point. And there are gifts you do have because other, other people need your gifts. We are made so that we can meet and serve one another's needs. Do you see that? There's something here. Did, did you catch this in this passage? Look again at 8 to 10. Okay. Check out who's giving what. Verse 8, for to one is given through the who? Spirit. Okay? He gives the spirit. And then uh, look at verse 5. There are varieties of service, but the same who? Lord. Verse 6, there are varieties of activities, but it's the same who? Did, Did you just pick up three persons here? Verse 4, the Spirit gives a variety of gifts. The Holy Spirit, right? Third person of the Trinity gives a variety of gifts. So variety means there's lots of different kinds. But the similarity is we all have gifts. Do you see the similarity and yet the variety? You all have a gift. That's the similarity. What's the variety? You don't have the same gift. Okay? Then in verse 5, there's varieties of service but the same Lord. Again, what does service imply? Other people. There's you and there's other people who's supposed to fit together in this. And now the Lord, well, who's the Lord? We just read this in context. Who's he talking about? That's Jesus. Second person of the Trinity in verse 6. There's varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all. Did you hear the Trinity just come out in his thinking here? You'll remember the beauty of the Trinity. 
we believe there's one God, right? Only one God. Um, The holy, righteous, sovereign God. And yet he's revealed himself to be one God in three persons. So we know that when Jesus came and he was praying to the Father, he wasn't winking at us saying, I'm I'm really talking to myself here. Just trying to show you how this works. Hey, self, help me. Okay. It's not what he's doing. He's talking to the Father. So you got two distinct people. The Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Father, and the Father is not the Spirit. There are three distinct persons. And yet Jesus says, I and the Father are one. What's the Father's heart for the Son? Just epic, undescribable love. What's the Son's heart for the Father? Father, you know, whatever, just glorify your name. Father, epic, undescribable love. The Spirit, the person, probably, of their love. The Spirit's the one who stirs up the love of God in us. What you have here is, don't you have unity in diversity? Diverse persons in perfect unity bound by what? Love, self-giving love. Isn't Paul showing us, hey, church, that's why you're like this. In the same way the triune God, unity and diversity, bound by self-giving love, in the same way he's that way, you be that way, and here's how it plays out for you. He's going to give you different gifts There's diversity. You're different than you. You're different than you. You have different gifts. There's a unity. You all have one spirit. You all have a gift. And you're going to be bound together as one body as you selflessly love and serve one another. I think that's beautiful. It's the beauty at the heart of the universe, our triune God and selfless love. Isn't marriage supposed to be like this? Unity and diversity. You're both human, but you're not the same. One's male, one's female. They come together. They come together as one. And what makes it work? Self-sacrificial love. Diversity, bound in unity with self-sacrificial love. It's beautiful. It's at the heartbeat of God himself, and it should be in the culture of our church as we have each strengths and weaknesses, and we bless one another as we serve one another with our gifts. Do you see that? Do you see the beauty of it? I think we need to see the beauty of it to be able to pull it off, to be happy with our place in it, to be passionate about our place in it. We get to glorify God in this unique way. So the bottom line is every Christian has the Holy Spirit by grace. That should humble us, give us a new perspective. The second is there's a, there's a beauty here as diversity is bound in unity by a sacrificial love that serves So now we'll get to the body. Look at verse 12 to 13. Just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members are of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free. All were made to drink of one spirit. So when you trusted Jesus Christ, the spirit did something to you. It baptized you. Your, your baptism at church was a sign of this. Baptism is like an immersion. It's a unification. Who were you baptized into when you trusted Jesus? Well, you were baptized into him. You're connected to him. Think of the images the Bible gives us for the church. The church is the who? Bride of Christ. The church is the what? Body 
of Christ. We are connected by the Holy Spirit to Jesus Christ. They talk about saying, I don't deserve this. Do you deserve to be connected to Jesus Christ? And I feel like it's one thing to be forgiven. He could just forgive us and then leave us over there. But instead he says, no, I want you, I want you close. I want you near me. I want you to abide in my love. I'm gonna call you the bride. I'm gonna call you my body. I want you right here. I want, you, I want my life flowing into you. If you have any view of Jesus at all that's even close to sort of accurate, shouldn't you just be like, are you kidding me? I don't deserve this, to be connected to Jesus. We are the body, the body. And it's an easy illustration, isn't it? Easy to understand. I mean, you have a body. There you are. How you feeling about it? You got one? You got a body. And uh, how's your body put together? You can easily talk about my body. And then you can also talk about my fingers, my eyes, my ears, my mouth. There's, you go on and on. Parts. Now, how amazing is your physical body? How amazing is it at working for its own good? I mean, you, you are so good at this. You might not be able to run a business, but every day your body is blessing itself. You're cleaning yourself, feeding yourself, enhancing yourself, moving stuff around. And then that's the stuff you like have control of. Think of all the stuff you don't have control of. What's your heart doing for you all the time? Your lungs. Your body is constantly working for its own good. And it's incredible at it. It's genius. Um, look at verse 18 here. If you're amazed at how God made your physical body, look at this, verse 18. As it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. So you, you see the illustration coming, just like you have a physical body, lots of parts, one body, got that? The church, specifically the local church. Paul is saying this to the Corinthian church. You are a body. You are the body of Christ. Each one of us is a part of the body, right? Which ones are a part of the body? Those who say Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. If you say Jesus is Lord and this is your local church, you're a part, full on part of the body. Well, I haven't been here very long. Hey, if this is your church, it's your church. I don't know how many gifts I have. That doesn't make you spiritual or not. If you're in Christ, right? Part of the body. And then Paul's, Paul's illustration gets some traction here. I think there's two things we gotta imagine. One is, I mean, you get his point, right? 17 to 21. The eye can't say to like the hand, I don't need you. And this is, this is supposed to be funny a little bit, I think, right? Because, you know, and I can't say to a foot, hey, look, look at me, I'm beautiful. There's colors deep inside. I bring in information to the brain. You know, I'm an apologetic reason for why atheistic evolution could never work. I am awesome. I see. Foot, I don't need you. I'm just going to roll around by myself. I can get where I'm, I'm spherical. You know, I can make it. He's in the, you know, ha ha. 
And yet, what happens when a church demeans other Christians or one Christian demeans another Christian as better or worse, especially based on skill or not? I don't need you. You know, how, how mentally ill would it be for parts of your body to revolt? I mean, this is cancer, isn't it, in all honesty? Your body revolts against itself? I don't like myself. You start ripping off appendages. It's ugly. It's awful. And that's what it looks like when the church demeans itself. Harms when, oh, we don't need you. It's awful, right? In the same way, another gory illustration comes out of this. Imagine a field with a bunch of arms and legs laying there bleeding. You know, flopping like a fish that just got caught on the, on the ground. Out of, its, out of its home, separated from the body. What's going to happen to the life in that appendage pretty soon? It's going to die. You know what that's called? It's called a church that's not connected to the body. It's called a Christian that's not connected to a church. Part of a body out there, disconnected, cut off. Oh, I don't need church. Do you see how ugly both of these things are? A church that says to a Christian, we don't need you. A Christian that says to a church, I don't need you. And they're both ugly, a body, torn apart. We're, but if Paul's right, that by the Spirit, we're unified to Jesus, we're connected to him, then we are the body. So what, the, what should that look like in our lives? We'll look at verses 22 to 26. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we just bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. God has composed the body. He's put us together, what he, what he wants to have here. Is, isn't that amazing that God has composed this body? That's another one of these amazing statements. If you're here, a part of this church, why? Well, in 84, I moved and I met this person and they invited me. Okay, that's part of what's why. What's the other part of what's why? God put you here. You believe that? If this is your church, God put you here. Aren't you glad God gave you like a knee, um, parts? He put you here. You're a part of the body. And so because of that, we should treasure one another. Treasure one another. Now in Corinth, there's this Spiritual gift war, right? If you have this gift, you're better, more spiritual. Whoa. If you don't or have this other gift, you're down here. Hmm. Look at this illustration Paul gives to end that competition. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Verse 22. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Now, what would be like a weaker versus a stronger gift? That's what he's talking about, right? Right? gifts here. Maybe somebody 
is a, a leader or a speaker or something out in front. Maybe somebody else is a behind-the-scenes prayer warrior or cleaning something or showing up to teach something or, I don't know, help me, imagine this, okay? One that seems to be big, one that seems to be, well, not as big. It's an amazing illustration. The parts that seem to be weaker, what does he call them in verse 22? Indispensable. So who's dispensable? Nobody. Even the, 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 the seemingly weaker ones, they're indispensable. And in fact, verse 23, on those parts of the body we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. Now, again, if I was a Corinthian, I would have laughed at this part. Maybe it's because I've never quite grown up the way many have hoped. <laughs> Look at his illustration, 23 to 24. Our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. Right? What, what, what's that? What are those? You know, the, the unmentionables. Those are the parts behind your undies. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. And they're treated with greater modesty. They shouldn't be out on stage. I support that. Okay? I support that. And yet, this is an illustration for the church. Okay, you got some parts that are out all the time, your elbows, you know, let's go. They're out all the time. You got parts, they don't come out. It's good. Which one's more valuable to you? Which one, which one would you rather skin on the sidewalk? You show greater honor, protection to the ones that are more backstage. Huh. What's he saying about the church? First of all, he's not saying equality equals cookie-cutter gifts. You're all equal. Therefore, you should all have the same roles, positions, places, because we're all the same. We're all equal. No, we're equal, but we're not the same. That's the point. So there's no cookie-cutter gifts. There are elbow gifts. There are out-in-front gifts. There are behind-the-scene gifts. And they are in themselves different. And they need one, one another. And the heartbeat of this should be, if you think you have the bigger gift, the out-front gift, maybe you do. What should your heart be towards the backstage gift? Value it. Honor it. If you think you have the backstage gift, how should you feel about the elbow gift, the out front gift? Value it. Honor it. Which part of your body would you like to snip off? We're a body, and we need one another. And if we take this view that we are one in Christ and we are of the same body, we'll treasure one another. Isn't this the point? How do you feel about your body parts? I like them. Can I have one? No. <laughs> it's mine. <laughs> I treasure it. How do you feel about your body? This is lost in the modern church. It's lost. We think of church as a building or a system or an industry. A local church is a body. It's a body and parts, like with any body, parts matter. 
They matter. So we don't want to demean any part of the body, and we don't want any part of the body to demean the church. Do you want to be the arm of the church that won't move? Do you want to be that person? That's the one who won't serve. Or do you want to be the arm that's just doing this all the time over here, never comes to help? I need to brush my hair. Sorry, I'm busy. <laughs> doing what I'm doing over here. Hey, look, I got an itch, right? I can't read. I'm not coming. That's the Christian that's not connected to the body. That's an awesome illustration, isn't it? We are the body in Christ. We should treasure one another. We should serve one another. God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. Who did it? God did it. That there may be no division. We're different so that there will be no division but that all members may have the what? Same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. If you're out playing soccer and you break your ankle, is it only your ankle that's sitting in the corner crying? Or is your whole body on the ground and your hands are reaching for your ankle and you're, you're curled up and your whole body's working together to try to help this ankle? It should, it should be like that for us. Moreover, if somebody's like, you know, I'm being silly here. Hey, your hair looks beautiful. Is it only your hair that's like, well, thank you? <laughs> or is it like your whole self that's kind of like, appreciate that. Emotional life. Okay, I'm reaching here in my illustration, obviously. But if one part, if one member is honored, all rejoice together. One part of our body gets praised by something out there for some reason. Hey, you're so good at this. The whole body should be like, yes. Isn't it so cool? They got honored for what they did. Yes. And see, this hits at the heart again. What sometimes happens to us when someone else is honored? How come I didn't get honored? It's like the toe yelling at the hand because the hand got a compliment. What? That's the wrong way to look at us. We're a body. If you get honored, you, we, are thrilled. If you hurt, you, we, should be hurt because we're a body. Treasure one another. God did this. So what should our attitude be when it comes to service? Well, pride, pride dies right at the foot of the cross. If you, if you say Jesus is Lord, it's because you're Christian by the Holy Spirit, and that's true for every one of us. Only he could do that. It's by grace. We all have the Spirit. Second, remember the beauty that is diversity united by sacrificial love. That's beautiful. When you look and say, they're not like me, I want to go away. That, that's the opposite. They're not like me, I want to serve them. That's the gospel. It's beautiful. And as you get there, you see, hey, we're a body. And what should a body do for one another? Treasure one another, honor one another, and serve one another. So you part of the body, we don't wanna reject you, we wanna treasure you. You part of the body, don't flop around out there independently. Connect to the body. 
and treasure the body by serving with your gift, which means that if you can, you should sign up in the back. <laughs> Did you see how I got there? <laughs> if you can, you should sign up in the back because we're a body. We got to serve each other. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that we can be united to you. Thank you that you've washed us by the Spirit. You've forgiven us, given us a new identity in who you are. Thank you for this body here at Fountain of Life. Lord, we love the way that we do serve one another, that we do treasure one another, that we do hurt with one another, that we do celebrate with one another. We thank you that that is truly a reality here. But we pray that it would grow. Lord, in each one of us, we pray that it would grow, that you would help us to find our place in the body and to serve one another, and not just to do it out of duty, but to do it with your heart, that it is just an honor to be a part of the body of Jesus Christ. And uh, each part is so important. Help us to honor and bless and thank and encourage one another as we serve you here as your body. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.